Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. As I am recording, it's a Saturday morning and it's uh, one of those rare mornings at my house when it's pretty quiet. My husband's out washing the car. And I have a few minutes all by myself, and that's really getting rare these days, to talk about month 10. We're beginning month 10. We're in June of 2022, and we're talking about Jesus' conversation about sorrow, and it involves his conversation as well about the Comforter. But it is taken from John chapter 16, verses 4 through 33 begins our study by just saying sometimes life gets overwhelming. Jesus had been speaking in parables all throughout his lifetime, teaching things that are lots easier for us to understand because we're on the other side of the cross. And so we understand parables like the one of the husbandmen who went away and left his servants in charge and He sent representatives, and they were mean to those representatives, and then he sent his son, and they killed his son. Well, I'm sure the apostles had some consternation about that. They wondered, what is this about? But we, of course, looking back, can see in that parable in Luke 20 that Jesus was talking, that Jesus was describing his own death, that he was talking about the Jews rejecting the prophets and then finally rejecting the son and killing the very heir of the kingdom. And so we can understand those things better than the apostles did. Thus, we can understand why when Jesus told them he was leaving, they didn't fully understand about the resurrection or the impending birth of the church. And so they were filled with trauma and sorrow and were hanging on every word that Jesus would offer them of comfort. I wanted us to think about the comforter here from chapter 16 of John. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This is verse 7. It is expedient for you that I go away. This is what's going to work out best for you. For if I go not away, the Comforter or the Helper or the Holy Spirit can't come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. Verse 8, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Here are the three things of righteousness and of judgment. And I love the fact here that it goes on to tell us why he would convict of all of those three things. He would convict the world of sin. Sin is a transgression of the law because they believe not on me. Their very disbelief in Jesus Christ was the sin about which they had to be convicted before they could have any hope of heaven. And then they had to turn, verse 10, to righteousness because I'm going to my Father and you're not going to see me anymore. So the Comforter is going to convict the world of righteousness. Teach that Jesus had been in the flesh showing us what it is to be the very person of God, what it is to live reflecting the image of God. He had been doing that 
for 33 years, especially for his ministry of the last three years. And so he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to convict the world of righteousness. I, I won't be here anymore showing that in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit will speak through you apostles to show the world how to live in righteousness, to turn from, verse 9, sin, and to live in righteousness, verse 10, and to convict the world of judgment because the devil is judged. So what this is saying is that there are two paths we can take in this life, the one of sin or the one of righteousness, and the Holy Spirit through the apostles first and now through the word convicts us of both of those things, makes us understand that the choice is ours, but that there is judgment coming because, verse 11, the prince of this world has already lost the battle at Calvary. He's already judged. And so we are facing judgment as well. And we can read the truth about that judgment, that the words that Jesus has, has spoken will judge us in the last day. And we know that because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is very important for us. This is crucial to our study this month to remember the three planks of the Holy Spirit's convicting work. First, he convicts of sin, making us know that we have a desperate need for the cross. Secondly, he convicts us of righteousness. He teaches us how to be like Jesus. We can't look at Jesus in the flesh anymore, but we through the gospels can see his life. These things are written John said in the closing verses of the book that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. The third plank is judgment. He's given us the two paths, sin and righteousness. And he says the third convicting work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us that there is impending judgment because... The prince of this world has already been judged. He was judged at Calvary. And you remember as Genesis 3.15 promised, at Calvary, Jesus' heel was bruised, but the devil's head was crushed. He lost the battle at Calvary and at the resurrection shortly thereafter. Jesus overcame death. He overcame the power of death. He overcame the one who is the chief of death, that is the devil. And he convicts us then of the judgment to come because death has been overcome and those who are victorious in righteousness, rejecting sin then, will be triumphant in judgment. Those are the three purposes of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. First, through the words of the apostles that began to be preached in Jerusalem there in Acts chapter 2, and then we're preached to the uttermost parts of the earth. And now, through the words that we have recorded of the Holy Spirit, we have his convicting power. It is words. It is not some action on our heart that's mysterious, that we just have a better felt than told experience. It is words that the Holy Spirit has given that we might be convicted. Before we close this little talk, let's look really quickly over 
in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And let's look at 1 Corinthians. And we're going to look at chapter 2 just for a moment about these words. Verse 9, God, as it is written, I hasn't seen, this is from Isaiah chapter 64, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God's prepared for those who love him. We don't, this is not something that we have just a vision that we see or a supernatural entering into the heart of man the things that God wants us to know, but God's revealed them to us through the Comforter, the Spirit. For the Spirit knows the deep things of God. What man knows the things of a man save the Spirit which is in him? That is, I, you can't know what I'm thinking. Only I can know what I'm thinking. But this says that's the same way it is with God. We can't know what he's thinking but his spirit knows, he himself knows, and his spirit then reveal those things to us. Verse 12, and that's how we, by the way, that's how you know what I'm thinking is if I tell you. And how we know what God's thinking is that his spirit tells us, and we have it recorded in his word. We have received, verse 12, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, so that we can know the things that are freely given to us of God. And by the way, sometimes when I'm trying to tell you what I think, we might not communicate well. I might mess up and you might not understand what I was really thinking because I might not articulate it well. Ah, but the Holy Spirit doesn't mess up. The Holy Spirit articulates perfectly. Every word that we have in our New Testaments is breathed by God. We can know that we have his word. Which things also we speak. This is Paul talking. The apostles are speaking. Not in the words that man's wisdom teaches. That is, this is not any loss of articulation. This is not any mess up that the Holy Spirit has given. But we are teaching the things that the Holy Spirit is teaching Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That is, we can measure ourselves to these words that the Holy Spirit has given because that is the mind of God. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. We're talking about the worldly man, the carnal man. He's not going to receive these words, and we know people like this because they're foolishness to him. And he can't know them because they're spiritual discernment. We have to want to know. We have to want to be convicted by the Holy Spirit in order to, for the words of the Bible to have their effect on us. We have to want to know them. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Man doesn't judge us. We measure ourselves by the words of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 is precious to me. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? How does the Lord instruct? Well, we have the mind of Christ. And it is the word that we have written by the Holy Spirit. You know, man put in these chapter dividers dividers here. And if we go on to chapter 3, I couldn't speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even babes in Christ. He says, you are growing. You can't understand everything yet. I have fed you with milk and not with meat because you weren't able to bear it. 
and you're not quite able to bear it now, he says in verse 2, for you are yet carnal. There is among you jealousy, strife, divisions, and you're walking after the manner of men. And then he goes ahead to correct them through the words of the Holy Spirit. I love it. What we do is we can know what the Holy Spirit wants us to do because Paul was teaching it right here, beginning in, well, in all of the epistles. But here he, he goes into a, a dissertation here or a letter he's writing about, about oneness, about the unity that is of the Spirit. And he ends the chapter 3 by saying, you are Christ, and Christ is God's. We have, verse 16 of chapter 2, the mind of Christ. And then he goes on to explain, to expound upon what that specifically meant to the Corinthians. And we take those words that the Holy Spirit gave the Corinthians through Paul, and we have the mind of Christ on the subject of unity. That's how the comforter comforts us today. Next time I would like for us to look at chapter 16 of John, again, verses 8 through 11, reminding ourselves that the Holy Spirit is convicting of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. And I would like then for us to look over in the book of Acts, chapters 3 and the beginning of chapter 4 and talk about each one of those convicting planks, each one of those three major things about which the Holy Spirit convicts or teaches us and see all of those three in the teachings that are given from the apostles in John chapter 3 and the beginning of verse 4 when they got into terrible trouble for preaching these words of the Comforter. So we'll look at that next time, and I hope in the meantime you have a great day.